This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Make a Man Outward Bound School. Go where no other man has been before. Row to your own adventure island where you'll become a real He-Man. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free! Hey, I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello. Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Mr. Brandon. Hello, Mr. Jeff. Hello, Unanimous. Um, this is a interesting episode we have this week, isn't it? Interesting is quite the word for it. It is. It is, Mr. Brandon. It, it is. is it's nice. It's unusual. It's different. It's nice. It's unique. <laughs> um, little um, Australian Yuma there. Um, yeah, so this is our one of several blackface episodes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're going to have to unpack that. Um, we have some really cute dancing with Mr. Granger. We have Mr. Granger, like, slightly regurgitating some, like, yeah. pudding in a spoon, which is cracking the, the staff up, the, the cast. <laughs> so funny, so... And um, superfan Ursula called into the Peacock hotline. She did. She she did. And um, Gladys wanted to say thank you. Um, No, um, (laughs) all of that for a little noise. Um, Can I also introduce our newest uh, uh, prop? Um, I think we're going to call this one Esmeralda. (laughs) Of course. I'm so excited (laughs) for my props. Um, but um, Gladys, you're not you're not alone now. You have a friend. Uh, yes, um, Ursula was awesome. She left us a really cool um, voicemail uh, that we're going to play for you folks. Um, we said, I think I, it was on a Facebook post. I said, call the Peacock Hotline if you have registered to vote. And Ursula has registered to vote. And um, yay, Ursula! You win this one. So um, we're going to play the message and her- encourage everyone to. Uh, to go register like her and be awesome like Ursula. So here's her voicemail. Hello, uh, Jeff and Brandon. This is Superfan Ursula from Ohio. And I just wanted to, I saw your message about registering to vote. I wanted to let you know that my husband and I are both registered in Ohio and we um, are planning to vote early. Um, Early voting starts in Ohio Ohio on October 6th and we are heading out there on that day to get our votes in. And we are totally voting by Biden-Harris and all the Democrats all the way down the ballot. I even researched all the judges. So I just wanted to let you guys know that and appreciate you guys um, making sure everybody's registered to vote. Um, thanks for putting that message out there. And I can't wait to keep listening. Bye. All right. Thank you so much, Ursula. That was awesome. Like, we need all the folks we can for Biden-Harris in, in Ohio and all the other states. So well done. You've all done very well, Ursula. So everyone be like Versal and please register to vote. And while you're at it, wear a mask, wash your hands, and remember that Black Lives Matter. Very nicely done. So, Jeff, let's just crack into it. Take us back. When did this premiere? So this was the Christmas episode in between series four and five. So it premiered on December 24th, 1976. And that month in the news, because we've got a jump. I figured let's take a look at the overall uh, month of December. Mm -hmm. And uh, Angola and Samoa joined the UN. Okay. Uh, The Sex Pistols gained notoriety after swearing on a TV news show as a fill-in for Queen. (gasps) So that's how they really got, like, discovered as a band by the masses. But you know what? I'm thinking of like 1976, all oh, those like wannabe punk people. Like that's just what they wanted. They wanted yeah. to hear some, someone say, you know, a naughty word. We are explicitly tagged, so we could say them, but we're gentlemen, so we don't. I also have no idea exactly what Sid Vicious and Johnny Rotten said. I just know that they swore. They probably said like um, bloody or something, nothing <laughs> bad. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, the album Hotel California by the Eagles was released. Once you check in, you don't check out. Right. And that is another band that begins with E, so oh. unfortunately they're not English, Damn. so we can't talk about them in our segment. Oh, well. But anyway. Um, and there was an assassination yeah, assassination attempt on Bob Marley, uh, yeah. which mm. um, did not take him down, but he did 
uh, succumbed to cancer a couple years later in 1981. Ouch. So kind of an interesting little time. Now, I want to jump on the fact that, so we, that we're at the end of season four. So is this like in between season four and five? Can you explain that again? Yes, this is in between season four and five. Oh, it's okay. Well, simple. thank you, Jeff. No, but I'm just like, how much of a gap was it when the... So, yeah. So season four, I think we left off in April of 1976, and now this is December. Okay, so, so that's significant. Eight months have passed, yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So... So the <laughs> show opens with Mr. Harmon bringing Mr. Rumbold a cap of decaffeinated coffee with two lumps of desugarized sugar and a dash of defatinated milk. <laughs> that does not sound very appeasing. No, not at all. Uh, apparently, if you just pour it on your head, it might wake you up <laughs> rather than drinking it. And so Mr. Harmon pulls two Slimming Biscuits out of his pocket for his duster that he's wearing. Um, but here's the thing. What, what is the a Slimming whole... Biscuit? I don't understand what that means. Is that like a, a, a biscuit that... Makes you a diet cookie, skinny, a, a diet cookie. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's just like an oxymoron, if you ask me. Like, no, you might as well. Have, if you're gonna have a cookie, go for the put real some cookie, butter right? on it. You know, um, <laughs> it's a thing in the south where if you have uh, Oreos, you take margarine, like country crock, and you put that on top of the Oreo, and that man, humdinger right there. So I've never done that with Oreos, but I have done that with graham crackers. And it is delicious. Ooh, okay. It is delicious. Anyway, right. yeah. um, the whole bit about the biscuits was cut out from the BritBox airing of this um, episode. I know. It was so weird. So it's on the DVD, but it's not on the BritBox one. And I couldn't find um, why it might have been cut out. Like, maybe it was cut for time or something. Because we certainly know there was a whole other bit later on in the episode that probably should have been cut out by mm-hmm. now. Like, if they're going to cut out the Jewish nose joke from a couple of episodes back, kind of, you know, I don't under, I'm not really sure where the line is. Um, BritBox sensors, so. Yeah, it was weird, too, because I also, even, even before um, I realized they cut the Slimming Biscuits line, because I kind of remembered something more was to that scene. Yeah. But um, if you just watch the episode, especially on BritBox, and I want to say, I think the podcast would love to have BritBox as a sponsor. So let's just say that BritBox, 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 maybe an algorithm m- will pick it up. Uh, manifest that out. Yes, the yes. Um, I have a vision board and everything. It says BritBox and Brandon and Jeff on it. Um, no, but even just like, I don't know why they cut it like that. I, I, I don't know. Um, if you it, it then cuts to the scene where there's like the woman with the umbrella and that was cut in a weird way. And then there's a scene where Father Christmas is on the, the CPU is out, <laughs> which we'll get to. And you can tell they cut a whole section because the audience laughter is like abruptly stopped. And it's just so weird. I, I wonder yeah. if someone made a mistake and don't realize that. The editing is super wonky on this entire yeah, episode. Weird. That's how I, that's how I noticed it too. I'm like that was a weird cut from Mr. Rumble's office to, um, Miss Bronze. Yeah. And so I was like, let me check the DVD to see what it is. And see, so unanimous. That's what was. Jeff and I just sit around all day, every day, just nitpicking these cross reference useless little things so that you don't have to. Thanks for the five I, stars. I, I tend to I tend to start on um, on brick brickbox so I can watch the captions even though the captions are bad. Yeah. Because um, my DVD player does not have subtitles or captions on it. So. Ouch. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Mr. Harmon comes back after delivering the coffee to announce that the CDU or the Christmas display unit has arrived. <laughs> so um, stupid. And, <laughs> And meanwhile, we see a sight gag um, over on the ladies' counter of a customer choosing an umbrella that covers her entire face. This is a kind of a running trope. We've seen this two or three times earlier where the customer chooses either a hat or a scarf or an umbrella or something that covers their face. Oh, definitely go with that Should one. I wear the brim up or down? Down, Matt. Down. <laughs> um, this customer actually catches on to what Ms. Bra means and I know. walks off in a huff. Usually they're too stupid, but this one was smart. So Mr. Rumbold comes out to the floor to tell everyone that the CDU is here, uh, but he, Peacock cannot be interrupted because he's busy fluting. Uh, remember, he's already given Mr. Lucas a lesson in how to flute a pocket square. That was like maybe and the so, second or third episode, right? Something like that. 
Uh, and so he can't be interrupted for the 15 seconds or however long it takes now, to is, flute this pocket square for the mannequin's jacket. Is this the So is the episode in the future, or have we already witnessed it, where um, Mr. Granger gives a lesson on fluting, and then he says, Mr. Humphreys, a little starch in the water will cure that problem. Is that in the future? No, we. I think we've already seen that. And oh, yeah, okay. It was, I, I'm pretty, it was a diamond, diamonds are a man's best friend. Because they use the handkerchief to conceal <gasps> the diamond see, or something. Jeff is being Professor Jeff once again. <laughs> thank you for the five stars. So yeah. good, so good. Yes, fluting. I wonder if fluting is that something they made up for the show, or like, is that a real thing? Should we Google to flute? How do you conjugate that? I flute, they flute, he flutes. I don't know. These are the questions I have. I think that's a real thing. I mean, it, it sounded very natural, I remember, as a kid. And uh, my father worked in, um, in restaurants and catering. So, you know, learning how to fold napkins in fancy ways was something that we did in our house. And I remember, I feel like I remember fluting was like something you could do to a napkin when you put it like in the wine glass. Oh, so, the height of, of refinement. Right. Yes. So I, I don't think that was a made-up word for this. Any, but anyway, hmm. um, Mrs. Slocum is, uh, can't come to the floor either because she's out in the fitting room flogging a titfer. And I you remember figured it that. out. You remembered because well, we talked no, about this word before. Well, I, I didn't remember it. And I, I said, she's fit. What did she say? She's uh, flogging she's a t- f- tifter. Titfer. And I'm like, titfer? What the hell does that mean? And then... With Cockney rhyming slam, you just kind of have to let your mind go. Tit for tat rhymes with hat. And I'm like, I just figured it out. I'm so happy. <laughs> there you go. Tit for tat. Uh, Mr. Granger is also unable to come to the floor because he's got his tie card to tell. <laughs> and so we have a little bit of a power play. Captain Peacock, would you please come here, please? Mr. Granger, I'd prefer it if you come over here. Mr. Gr- uh, Captain Peacock, I'd prefer it if you come over here. So I have stupid. to remind you that I'm the floor walker. <laughs> well, I have to remind you that I'm the man with the tie stuck in the tail. So. <laughs> and it's so cute that he's like, I need your signature. Like he couldn't like press a button, but I think he, he couldn't just press the button. I think right? the line probably was, I need your management key or something. And maybe he well, goofed it up. That's, that's what it would be. You know, these days, I, I mean, even still today, you go to a supermarket. I need the key. <laughs> you know, it, it's yeah. you'd think that Chris, you know, uh, uh, technology would have gotten us this this far. But no, I was going to say, I didn't know you uh, moonlight as uh, Linda Belcher on Bob's Burgers for the voice. <laughs> was that a lit? Does that sound like Linda? You just sounded just like Linda. Come over and see the tray. Come over and bring the key. See? Crossover episode, folks. Um, Mr. Lucas is also busy. Uh, Peacock Peacock gives a little sniff. He seems to smell something. And Lucas claims that he was demonstrating the electric trouser press, but instead he was making a grilled cheese uh, to eat on the floor. All right. I mean, they've already done this in Cold Store, didn't they? Like, they literally had the same prop. And it was like, I don't know. Now that I say that, it feels like this episode's a bit of a recycling job. And you I know? think most most Christmas episodes are. They're kind of like, you know, bring out all your best bits and redo them for... That's that's what you want to give the people at Christmas. Oh, right? okay. But then again, if you, also, if you think about the movie, the movie is all recycled jokes. So there's, there's really no reason to see it except to see Mr. Humphrey's outfits. Yeah. Wow. So. Which is why I do it, of course. <laughs> so, um, uh, Mr. Humphreys is also not on the floor, but young Mr. Grace gave him permission to come back late after the weekend. And on cue, Humphreys arrives Ding. coming out of the lift in a fur anorak, a pink plaid scarf, and knee high mucklucks. So, great visual of him in this costume, right? What's a muckluck? Um, uh, a muckluck is a, um, a fur lined boot. That is uh, native to the Arctic, and so it's uh, found in a lot of Arctic cultures. Not only the Inuit, but the Inupuk and the Yapik as well. So, um, pretty much everyone figured out. Well, let's you know line your boots with fur, and it'll stop the snow from coming in. 
Again, Jeff is just speaking extemporaneously about the footwear of um, Arctic cultures. It's amazing. Um, and also, he came from our, uh, our the sponsor of our episode today, isn't it? Isn't that right? That's true. He's been where no other man before. Uh, he was at an Outward Bound school, and he had to spend the weekend sharing his razor with a lady traffic warden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just picturing them like in the tent like passing a razor back and forth while they shave with like a bowl of water because that's all they right? do because that's what you do with strangers in a tent on an island is you shave but yeah. Mrs. Humphreys thought it would make a man out of him so right you know so you give it a whirl <laughs> Uh, Mr. Harmon comes in singing his signature tune, so he arrives pushing the Christmas CDU, uh, and it is a, um, uh, a Father Christmas. It's a robotic, robotic Santa Claus. And so they all start to imagine what other things they're going to be replacing with. So they can replace uh, a Mr. Granger, who has a robotic truss, a gas-filled Mrs. Slocum, and a special switch for Mr. Lucas to shut his atomic cake hole. I love it. I love it. I love how, like, you can add the word atomic to anything. Cake hole is one of my favorite slang words for mouth. I think I'd like, like it much better than gob. Have you ever heard anyone ever use that except Mrs. Slocum on the show? Cake hole. I, I feel like I have seen it before. I feel like The Simpsons may have said it a couple of times. Cake hole. But I, I, love, I love the fact that it reduces your mouth to... Well, you can't say anything smart out of it, so the only thing your mouth is good for <laughs> is for shoving cake into it. It's such a brilliant, brilliant yeah. insult, right? Um, so the Christmas display unit is supposed to utter a Christmas phase in a deep avuncular voice and open its arms in a What's friendly, welcoming fashion. Uh, so I forgot that Mr. Rumbold and Captain Peacock actually explain it, so I went into a whole bit about that. So avuncular is the adjective form of uncle. It means like an uncle or pertaining to an uncle. It reminds me of it. It reminds me of that episode of our, um, what is it? Of, uh, uh, keeping up with appearances when, um, Mrs. Bouquet slash bucket has a candlelight supper and on the invitation it has, um, it's not a, it, no, it's like a, a country lunch at some estate house or something alongside like, a, like a creek, basically, a stream. And on the invitation to all of her friends, she wrote, Join me in a candlelight luncheon with Riparian Entertainments. <laughs> and then it cuts to everyone like pulling out their big dictionary, trying to like look up Riparian. And all at the same time, they say, Riparian, to do with a water bank <laughs> or something. So it's like she just uses this word because she knows it will sound like needlessly long, which is sort of like right. avuncular, you know? That's what I thought yeah. about. So it's just like maternal means having to do with a mother, or paternal means having to do with a father, or fraternal means having to do with a brother. Those are three more familiar words in the English language, but yep. some other family members have words of their own, like avuncular means like an uncle. Um, what about like a sister? Um, I'll take a guess at what that is. Is what's what's the French word for sister? It's like so, right? There you go. So so something. So pretty close. Band of Soleil. I don't know. <laughs> soleil Moonfry. Uh, <laughs> sororal. I can't say that. I can't. Like no. a like a like a sorority, but sororal. Sororal. I was about to make a father son holy ghost joke, but I couldn't figure out what the Latin word for ghost was. And it wouldn't have worked. So I'm right. glad I didn't and not humiliate myself like right now. Yeah, so, so rural, uh, it's kind of a tongue twister, kind of like rural juror, <laughs> that fake movie from 30 Rock. Um, you want to give a crack at what an ant, the adjective form for ant is? Oh, my God. Oh, is it like really nasty? Like tonsular? <laughs> to, no. That's really good. That's no, a I don't good, know really good guess. Um, so it actually is from, uh, the, these are all from Latin, right? Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the French for the sororal was a good guess. So it's maternal. M-A-T-E-R, like mater. If you've ever oh. heard like that. T-E-R-A-L, maternal. And if you're a Beatles fan, um, the way you've heard mater is um, in a Paul McCartney song, um, Band on the Run. Is that the song? 
where he says, our mater, band on the run. Yeah, I think that was it. And I've always right. wondered, like, what does mater mean? And it's like this old Liverpudlian word for ant. There we go. It turns out that the Father Christmas costs 50p to operate it. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the kids are going to get, like, a plastic present from a grab bag, but... That's a lot of money for, like, a toy. Like, if you think about, like, those little, like, machines in front of the supermarket where you could fly the airplane or ride the horsey. Yeah. Those only cost a quarter when I was a kid. So how much is 50p in 1976? That's probably, like, three bucks, maybe? 50p in 1976? Yeah. What would be 50p today or 50p then? what What would the value be today? The value today would be about five pounds. So that's about, like, what, Seven dollars? Seven, eight bucks? Really? Yeah. Jeez. Okay. Well, hey, Mr. Grace got to pay for those yachts somehow. Apparently, right? But I'm sure he was only paying 750 pounds in federal income tax back then. Right? Oh. Snap. I went there. I went there. <laughs> the, the debates were this week, so, you know. So the CDU is supposed to make this you know, Christmas phrase, ho, 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 little boy. Have I got a surprise for you? Which, in and of itself, is creepy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. But, uh, so they, they, they test it out. He doesn't do his, his little uh, surprise. And all, not and only so, that, not only that, but, like, <laughs> if you look at his face, that he has, like, articulated eyebrows. And, oh, yes. And they kind of, like, if you see those stuffed animals, it looks like a cute little bear. And then, like, there's a mechanism inside if you squeeze it. It's it's fangs come out and it's like eyes turn mean. <laughs> Basically, that's what Father Christmas is. The mannequin is doing. So, like, if you picture like a, a smiley face with like um, with eyebrows on it, they'll have like nice like like a half moon, like a nice curve, and it it kind of gives the feeling that they're like happy and welcoming. But then, if you want to draw a, a face that's like mean and angry, you make like. 45, 45 degree degree, like pointed towards yeah. the nose and that's exactly what his yes. eyebrows do as he's talking like going back and forth it's like fucking crazy it's like a it's like a nightmare inducing thing so mr harpin mr Harmon has to make a technical adjustment to the cdu and he sticks a screwdriver in the ear and apparently that's gonna and he just kind of wiggles it and it's so sweet it's so cute how yeah. like it's really not doing anything <laughs> yeah so they try it again and this time, Father Christmas opens his robe and he's got no pants on. He's got a Barbie doll nubbin <laughs> in his uh, private area. So they all laugh about that. Mr. Humphreys comes in from the fitting room because he had to change out of his anorak. Right. Have they missed anything? Uh, and so they do it. They do it again for him. His eyes roll back in his head, and he faints in Lucas's arms. He does the, which is the, one of the funniest. Yeah, things. I love it. I I love it when he does the fainting because he does this little like eye flutter thing, and he looks up, and then he kind of. It's like so good. I mean, this this actor guy, man, so, hilarious. So in the next scene, we cut down to the canteen, and we see what everyone's having for lunch. Uh, Lucas is having one sardine on toast since he doesn't get paid until tomorrow. It's so um, sad. <laughs> Peacock is having the steamed cod, but Mrs. Slocum thinks it's steamed haddock, which um, haddock is a cheaper uh, type of fish, right? I was going to say cut of fish, like it's a cut from a steak, but no. It's a cheaper, <laughs> it's a cheaper type of fish than cod. I love right? that you have to ask because like, you don't know a thing. You're I don't so know wise, a thing Jeff, about fish. Except fish. I don't know from fish, from seafood at all. Um, well, cod, like when you get fish and chips, that's, that's cod, cod yeah. right? Yeah, and so haddock, I think, is a cheaper... Have you ever had fish and chips, Jeff? I don't eat fish. I've had the chips. Uh, I've had I've had battered chicken fingers. I've had anything else you could get from the chip shop, but just not the fish. That pains me a little bit for your soul, but more for me. That's fine. I'll eat your fish. There you go. Yeah. Um, Granger is ordering a minute steak, which is a <laughs> cut of top round that's been tenderized to the point where it could be cooked in a minute. Um, and how so long did it take to cook? It took, is, he had to get something different because it was going to take him 10 minutes. So right? at this point, it's at this point that um, Mrs. Brahms, the, the, the actress, um, is already losing it. And I, I, wonder oh. if they had, I wonder if they had to do a, another take. So they're already kind of giggling and they probably like laughed too much. So this is the take that they thought was the best that we're watching. 
you know, because she's that's giggling. What it is. As, as soon as he walks in, she starts laughing. Well, because she's read the script and she knows that he he's going to do another bit where he can't get the food in his mouth. <laughs> or keep it this in. this is another trial or keep it in, right? <laughs> uh, Mr. Humphreys isn't having anything for lunch because he's on a diet. So he's taking kelp vitamins for his hail and nails. Vitamins A, B, C, and D, which replace the vitamins in bread, butter, cheer, beer, cheese, beer, and sunshine. And vitamin E, um, isn't that supposed to make you feel sexy? Oh, hold on a minute. It's so um, cute. The timing one. is so cute. Yeah, he puts it in his mouth. He thinks for a minute. No, there's nothing yet. Nothing um, yet. <laughs> so what good. Other, what other things have you been told um, are supposed to make you feel sexy? Are supposed to be aphrodisiacs? Oysters. Okay. Um, olive oil? No. Tuna? Tuna? Yeah, it's supposed to have iron and... Oh, no, okay. that's mercury. Never mind. Um, <laughs> no, I heard, like, fish... Actually, tuna is supposed to be good for you. It's supposed to be, like, whatever. But, yeah, it's just oysters, really. That's all I can think of. Was green M&Ms a thing where you grew up, or was that just a regional thing for me? We had them. I mean, is that what you mean? Well, was there like the schoolyard joke that like they would make you feel horny? Have you ever heard I that? I think before? most most people on the schoolyard probably are horny already. I think <laughs> that's they're just looking for. Oh, I'm sorry. I had a green M&M, uh, Mr. Mr. Teacher Man. I couldn't help myself. Uh, but no, that's the first time I've heard of it. Unanimous, write in. Please let us know if you've if you heard of a green M&M. We're going to get that all these just... like. Horny listeners, like, I always get really randy whenever I have green M&M's <laughs> while watching Are You Being Served? <laughs> so, um, Mr. Granger, Mr. Granger uh, we learned that Mr. Granger is volunteering at the old people's home for Christmas this year. And he usually impersonates Churchill, which we saw in the Camping In episode. Yeah. But this year he's been asked to do something more up to date. So he's chosen to do Stafford Crips. Now, I don't know what that means. Neither did I. This is someone uh, really obscure that I had to look up. Yeah. Uh, he was the leader of the House of Commons after Churchill, once Churchill became prime minister. Oh, my God. That's so, like, okay, no wonder, like, every American is, like, is that, like, a type of coffee maker? Like, Krupp's coffee making machines? What is that? <laughs> That's what I thought. So, um, Granger finally comes out from uh, the serving area and Brahms loses it completely. She can hardly get her line out. Did, did you get your minute steak? She's like cracking up. Um, no, it would take 10 minutes. He had to settle for the spaghetti bolognese and some junket. So junket is a dessert that we don't have here in America. Yeah, I, I don't know what it, I just know it looks like library paste and it goes on people's heads. That's all. That's the only references <laughs> I've ever known about it. So it's a milk dessert that is kind of gelatinous, kind of foamy. It's not really held together. It's like um, uh, uh, kind of the consistency of maybe a lo really loose pudding, but not as loose as it would be so soup. Okay. Um, it's, it's made with rennet, which is the same enzyme that makes cheese set. Huh. So we get a bit where... Granger is going to try and eat some of the spaghetti and his hand is wobbling. It's unsteady <laughs> and he can't even get like one noodle in his mouth. It makes you wonder like how can he be his age and never has eaten or maybe his wife helps him or something. But like he he's this old man and he doesn't know how to eat spaghetti. Right. You know. Um, at this point before he can even get it in his mouth the canteen man address comes out and the last time we saw her was the last Christmas episode. Oh. Um, and she stops, she basically knocks the fork out of his hand because the tin from the bolognese sauce had expired six months ago. So, can't eat that. Who knows what it's going to be, uh, uh, what it would get, how sick it would get him instead. So, he's left just to eat his dessert for lunch. His junket. At least his I have junket. my junket. Yeah. And then he starts trying to eat it. And as he says his lines, the actor actually gets some of it on his chin it's on his chin, like, it's all over his mouth, it, it's it, spitting it everywhere. He starts sort of spitting it out and as he's doing lines, and then everyone on the table starts cracking up because they're just like, this is so funny, yet we have to, like, do our lines, and somehow they make it through. Um, yeah, I remember um, Trevor Bannister and Mr. Lucas, 
I forgot what he says, but he says something like, we can put it on the table, or it's like some random stupid right. thing. But he's like, we can put it on the table, just because, like, this guy. And he was apparently, like, from what I remember listening on interviews, that, like, he was just kind of like that, like Arthur Brown, you know. Um, it's just an old guy who sometimes, even, I don't think he was acting a lot when he wouldn't get his lines right and kind of, mm. I think he was just an old dude, you know. Yeah. And he died, like, the next year, doesn't he? Um, I think we get Mr. Granger all the way to season six, possibly. Because I feel like it's seven, eight, nine, and ten uh, that we yeah. have a new senior So he's got one year each. left, which is kind of sad. Yeah. Um, so Granger agrees that he needs to go with someone, um, more up to date. So he tries, uh, Sir Leslie Horbelisha, um, who was another MP of parliament around the same era. And he's the one who's responsible for flashers at pedestrian crossings. So, um, anyone who's been to England knows that at a crosswalk, they don't have the yellow lamppost with the standard, um, walk, don't walk sign or man and red hand. Right. They have a sh- black and white striped pole with a big yellow ball on top that flashes to let the drivers know that they should slow down and stop for p- crossing pedestrians. And those are called Belisha beacons after the man who um, invented them. The more you know. And I, lo- I-, I love how uh, Mr. Granger's like, I'm going to go as Sir Leslie Horbelisha. Like, would people like how do you do an impression of a, an mp from 50 years ago that people will be entertained by the 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 ridiculousness of that makes it funny well maybe i mean he's well known in the uk for inventing the the Belisha beacon but i don't know if he had a memorable memorable voice or right. a mannerism or something it's like so. saying i'm going to go entertain the old people in the nursing home and i'm going to dress up like Henry Kissinger, and like that's my entertainment. Like, I don't. I mean, actually, now that I said that, that would be kind of funny. But um, <laughs> I don't know, just like an obscure person, like um, Alex Trebek. No, you can you can impersonate Alex Trebek by overpronouncing every single foreign word and being smug. I think like President Taft, for example, he was just known for being morbidly obese. Yeah, and I don't yeah. think that you can like impersonate that. It's just weird. Yeah. Anyway, um, so they figure out that they suggested he um, lip sync or mime the words to a song, perhaps um, Al Jolson. And so. Which is so much more up to date than, you know. Right. It's (laughs) 20 20 years back, long before (laughs) Churchill, right? Right. Um, And so the entire time Lucas is insulting Mrs. Slocum. So she finally gets up and leaves. He runs after her and apologizes and realizes, no, she, she took it in stride. She's a really good sport. But she comes back with a bowl full of junket and dumps it on his head in revenge. Now, when, you, when you're going to throw a glass of water in someone's face or, like, dump the, their, your soup over their head, mm. you kind of just, like, invert the bowl and let the gravity do the work. But Mrs. Slocum sticks her hand into the junket and, like, flings it on his head. So her arms are covered in junket as well, (laughs) which I think kind of defeats the purpose of, like... I don't know. I think she was smart. She probably knew that um, it's too gelatinous, like you said. I mean, it's sort of like a milky cheese dessert sweet pudding thing. I don't know. Yeah, junket. I thought it was just, like, maybe, like, a hair conditioner or something. Milky Cheese Sweet Pudding Thing is also the newest album by the Chainsmokers, just in case you were wondering. (laughs) Why am I so hungry right now? Um, Because it's time to head down to the canteen for a tea break. Ooh, I'm going to see if they have any leftover junket that came off of Mr. Lucas's hair. So what are you going to get? Um, I'll I'll pass. I think that description (laughs) just put me off. (laughs) We'll we'll let you have that sardine on toast. We know how much you love those. We'll be right back Mm. after a tea break. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. 
Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. So we're back from our canteen break. Um, Delicious. What did you end up having? I had junket and it was like boiled oatmeal, but sweet <laughs> and milky. I think. What, what did you get? I had a little bit of Hartley's jelly. Um, Ooh. Which was very glittery, um, and didn't look edible at first, but was okay. So they do gelatin differently in Britain than we do, don't they? They do. It is, uh, it is slightly a different texture than uh, the Jello here. It's, um, it's not as loose. It's not as jiggly. It's a little <laughs> bit more firm. I don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> um, it's weird too because here you'll get like a Jello packet and it's like powder in a little paper bag and you put that hot water and blah blah blah. Over there, it's like a block. It almost looks like a bar of soap, doesn't it? Yeah. It's the size of a bar of soap, and you add hot water to that. I mean, it's the same thing, but, like, for an American, you're like, what is the strange thing? It's not jello? What? So, yeah. why don't we do our new segment where we talk about English things we love called I'm, I'm unanimous, unanimous in this. Ah, oh, we got it in sync. Um, and continuing our silly tradition, which just <laughs> happened because of nothing. What was? Let's go through all of them we've done so far. What was the first one? Eggs. Electricity? Eggs. No, eggs. Electricity. Electricity. Erasure. Erasure. And now, Sir Elton John. Um, because, one, his name starts with E. And because it's like, we have two hosts. We have to be fair. Um, <laughs> Jeff did Erasure. So Brandon gets to do Elton John. Thank you very much. But it just makes sense. I mean... You know, it is an Are You Being Served podcast, but, you know, like, we, we like things other than the show, and we're fully realized people. Um, but, you know, the things I like in life, I find, tend to be of the more glittery types of things. Like, I love the Liberace biopic, because there's lots of diamonds and things. And um, I love Mr. Humphreys, and I love Elton John. Um... Not just because of his music. I mean, his music really, really is good stuff. But there's something magical about gay men being out and proud in the 70s. Yep. Um, like, Harvey Milk, like, he was a supervisor of San Francisco in the 70s. Like, I don't know. Like, it, it felt like a really pioneering time. Yeah, I mean, I remember there's an episode of Are You Being Served where Mr. Humphreys comes out wearing a green lame shiny outfit it's like a suit of lime green, and he's got like sunglasses that, that have. Hmm? Is that in the old the old order changes where they? I, I really like you, Betty. Is that the where they? Do oh, the maybe thing? so. I don't remember. I mean, he has so many. Like towards the ends of the series, he has like a, a lot of Elton John outfit. sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I, I don't. I don't think it was Elton John who started the trend, or if he just hopped on it himself. I don't know, but I mean, if it's. I would love to be proved wrong. But, you know, the idea of, even if you think about, like, straight men back then, like, they would have, like, bell-bottoms and, like, really tight pants, man. Like, it was just almost like, for the first time, men seemed to be almost sexualized, in a way. You know? Like, if you watch Three's Company, which is the same kind of time period, they were wearing the tightest of pants, man. Like, it was, and I just, you just didn't really see that in, like, the 50s and 60s. Which is a fashion thing. But, I don't know, just something about Elton John, Elton John that that idea of excess and of course you know the poor guy was completely addicted to 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 cocaine and all sorts of and alcohol and and stuff but there's something very 70s about there's definitely a Venn diagram of Mr. Humphreys and Elton John basically wear, wearing the same outfits and i think maybe doesn't captain peacock call Mr. Humphreys Elton John at one point as a as a put down 
I don't remember. Maybe not. I don't remember either. Yeah, I think I, but we'll have you know, to find we, out. But the fact that we're like thinking about it, he very well could have. You know, yeah. I mean, it would have made it sense. would it wouldn't seem out of place. Yeah, so I mean, El- Elton John he just turned seventy maybe a year ago, so he's been around, and you know, like um, his story has been put out there that had that really fabulous um, biopic slash musical of his life called um, Rocket Man, which I know my friend Jimmy, who is a music aficionado, he has issue. He takes issue with it because it's not 100% accurate with music and stuff. But, you know, if, if you like Broadway musicals, like, it's a really good movie to watch. It's, you know, it's about his life. And it's a, it's a life that kind of de- deserves a movie, really. Um, because a lot of people like Elton John, who partied hard and did lots of drugs and did lots of sexual things with people and blah, 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 they didn't make it out of the 70s and 80s alive. Yeah. That's and true. he did. And that's the fact that he did make it out without catching, you know, the then deadly AIDS. Um, he started the AIDS Foundation, Elton John AIDS Foundation. So Elton John's pretty cool. And um, he reminds me of, of Mr. Humphreys. So how could I not love him? Do you like Elton John, Jeff? I do like Elton John. I don't have the profound love for him or his music or his style that you do. But I do agree that there is something about... Um, appreciating um, an out and flamboyant person that has made it into mainstream culture. Um, Because I do think that that having Elton John around in the 70s and the 80s was part of forming um, gay identity as a culture that was separate from sex, that wasn't necessarily defined by a sexual act, but rather commonalities about what people enjoyed and what people aspired to and what inspired people in terms of art, culture, music, fashion, etc. So I really like that you brought that up because, you know, I think with a lot of conservative people out there, they look at like, because you and I are gay men, let's just use us. Um, they'll look at gay men and picture like a sex act. And like, that is what we are boiled down to. Right. But straight people don't get boiled down to what they do in the bedroom. That's just a horrible double standard. But I like what you said about like, you know, like, especially in the early 70s, and of course there were outliers before, but it seemed like there was a really, a cool social movement acknowledging that you know, there's a gay culture and that's kind of what interests me a lot. Um, Before we move on, I just want to say, like, if you have never listened to Elton John, we might have some younger fans. I mean, really I think you and I, we're a bit young to be the original generation of Elton John fans. I mean, he's, he's a bit too old for us really. But you know, just because he wasn't around when you were born is no excuse, people. <laughs> um, if you want to get into Elton John, um, anything, I would say if there's an Elton John album, 1975 or older, you can't really go wrong. That's really his 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 golden period, I think. If I could choose two albums, I would recommend one called Tumbleweed Connection, which is really cool because it's sort of like a country western album, which is weird of Elton John. Um, another really good one is called um, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. It's probably his yep. most famous one, like really good songs, like amazing. And another one, re- a really good one's called Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy. So check them out, and uh, I think you'll like it. And that is Elton John. All right. Let's, um, let's jump back into the episode and see what our friends on the floor are up to. So... The gentlemen have agreed to teach Mr. Granger a couple of moves so that he can lip sync to uh, an Al Jolson song when entertaining the old folks home. The closing bell rings. Lucas has borrowed a record from the music department. And uh, Mr. Rumbold comes in to keep everyone behind. And Mrs. Slocum says, well, if I'm not home at the stroke of seven, my pussy starts clawing at my something or other. Everyone is laughing so hard I can't make out what yeah, she says. Yeah, you can't make out what she says. And it's it's a joke that she must have said four times already, right? I right. mean, it's weird this episode fe- feels a little bit repetitive. But yeah. like you said, I didn't realize that that was kind of a Christmas special mainstay. Yeah. So it makes sense, huh? So Mr. Rumbold lets everyone know that the Christmas display unit doesn't work. Uh, they actually had an, two injuries on the floor uh, a small boy with broken ribs, and his father sustained electric shock trying to free him. <laughs> the fact that they do this in like such an aside, like oh by the way, it's Pity so nice. The small boy, I know that was like crushed by the Father Christmas hugging him, 
Jesus. <laughs> so, Mr. Rumbold is looking for someone to play Father Christmas at the rate of £10 per week. And anyone who's interested has to submit a written application. Like, do you have to describe in 55 words or less why you're the best candidate for Father Christmas? <laughs> like, really? I, I guess that's a thing they did back then. Uh, Mr. Granger immediately says he doesn't. he's not interested because children don't seem to like me. When I smile, they hide their faces in their mother's skirt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like children. I didn't like children when I was a child. He's so lovable. Yeah. So everyone besides Humphreys, Granger, and Lucas take off to get home because the bell's already rung. And so Mr. Humphreys and Lucas are wearing white gloves, a hat, and a cane to do a little simple smart. dance to Mammy. Yeah, very, very, um, uh, very smart. So they do the whole routine at normal speed, and they get their applause. They very do. Um, and so Granger tries to join in, but he can't keep up fast past the first eight bars. Mm. So Lucas tries to slow the record down from 33 and a third to 16 and two thirds, but instead speeds it up to 45. Now, what do all those numbers mean for our younger generation? All right. Picture the magical land of 50 years ago, children, where they used to have these great big CD, uh, CDs, but they were actually black instead of reflective. Or, of course, CDs were the things that your parents used to use. <laughs> oh, this is, this, this is very confusing. So back in the day, you'd have record players, and it was great big things of vinyl, and you'd have to put it on a turntable, which would turn it. So the, the, the standard speed in which the turntable would spin would be, for every minute, it would go by 33 and one-third revolutions. And every, because all of the record players had to be at the same speed to match it, so the, the, the sound was all right and matched up, um, that was the standard, so 33 and a third. So they had some special records that were like, uh, books on tape, essentially, like except books on records, um, where it'd just be someone talking, and they would needed something really slow so they can fit all of the recordings onto it for like Lord of the Rings or whatever. You could actually get some record players to to, to play at sixteen revolutions, which is what almost like half speed, so it's really slow. But the most people back in the sixties, you wouldn't buy an album like we do today but it's funny because no one buys albums anymore because now it's all on itunes and you buy like two songs and that's it but anyway back before the albums was really really big you used to only buy single songs and for whatever reason those those records were at the faster speed of 45 revolutions per minute rpm so a lot of tv shows which is kind of a cheap way to do comedy i'll be honest and they've done it a lot in the, in the show where there'll be, like, a tape recorder and, like, oh, Captain Beacock got confused. Oh, what's going on? And it, like, turns the switches on and off and this, 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 the recording will speed up or slow down or something. And that's what happens in this scene is they will play the record too quickly so it sounds like the chipmunks or too slowly and then it sounds like molasses or something. So that's what those numbers mean. And none of this means anything now because it's all antiquated. Yep. There you go. Well... I think I think the uh, the modern day equivalent is uh, when you're playing a video on YouTube or any other um, platform is that you can choose the playback speed. So what I'll do at work is if someone's recorded a meeting that I wasn't able to attend, I will play it back at one point two speed. Because I did not know you could do that. So because that that saves you know about ten minutes for every hour long meeting, and it's pretty close to standard talking uh, voice. So you know, it saves a little bit of time there. So well, now that you say that, I remember on on I have an iPhone, so I use Apple iTunes to download that does suit Madam on Apple iTunes uh, podcast. But you can actually listen to podcast quicker than yeah. they were meant to be. So I guess it's the same thing. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. Huh. So um, the next day, Mr. Rumble explains to Mr. Grace um, that no one had applied, but he upped the ante to 50 pounds cash, and everyone has applied. So <laughs> That's a lot of money, though, wasn't it? It is. It was a lot of money. So uh, be about, you know, $700 worth today. Yeah, because like 50 pence was about seven bucks. Yeah. Yeah, wow, that's a lot of money. 
So, um, young Mr. Grace will choose the Father Christmas. And so everyone comes out wearing a costume, looking like Santa Claus, uh, uh, trying to win the 50 bucks. Uh, Captain Peacock goes into Rumble's office, and so does Mrs. Slocum. She reminds her boss that Parliament has passed the Sexual Relations Act, which states <laughs> that women are just as good at it as are men. And I'm sure uh, it wasn't called the Sexual Relations Act. It was it's probably not. Like... It was called the Sex Discrimination <laughs> Act of 1975. Um, yeah. Uh, Lucas is on his knees because the costume, uh, the only costume that was left over when he went to go rent one was from last year's Snow White and the Seven Dwarf stand. So yeah. he got one that is suited for one of the dwarf characters. So he's on his knees with shoes uh, sticking out from his knees. And he's, you know, playing a little person. Um, debatable how well that uh, would go over today. Um, I don't think that would be done today. No. no. Um, and Mr. Humphreys makes his grand entrance. And he is wearing a... Ugh pink wig, a cape, a short red velvet skirt, very sto- short stockings and ankle length high heeled boots that he all he borrowed from a friend in a Soho review called Mary Stripness. And, and he is carrying it off like he <laughs> has these gams, he has these legs. Oh, Mr. Humphreys. And Gosh. you should see what the girls wear. So this is theoretically his joke is that this is something that the men are wearing. So whatever. Well, remember a couple episodes we talked about Danny LaRue, right? Yep. Um, Danny LaRue, like what he's talking about is probably Danny LaRue. So it's like in 1976, yeah. the height of Danny LaRue, he had a uh, review in Soho where all the men were d- drag queens and or female impersonators, as they would have been called back then. So cool little uh, kind of circling back to Danny LaRue right there. And here comes the part of the episode that we've all been dreading. So, um, Mr. Granger had done his um, routine last night at the old folks' home. And Uh he wore black grease paint in order to impersonate Al Jolson, who did the same thing in the movie The Mammy. Um, The parrot saw him and had a heart attack. I don't know what that means. Does this mean that the parrot has never seen a black man before and didn't know what was going on? Got it. Exactly. Yeah. So he couldn't get the grace paint off last night. So he went to an all night chemist uh, or the all night pharmacy who had immediately called for an ambulance for loss of fever. Now I knew what this was. I knew what this was because there was a joke about it on Adrian mole. Uh, he, the character is a 14 year old kid who's a little bit of a hypochondriac and he gets his first pimple and he goes to, he looks it up in the encyclopedia, thinks it's, um, last fever and goes to his doctors. Like you haven't been to Africa. You don't have last fever. <laughs> so this was a disease that was first diagnosed in Nigeria in 1969. And it is, um, uh, it's transmitted by rats and mice, and it is limited to West Africa. So mm, okay. uh, the, any kind of time you'll see it in a joke, it lasts a fever equals African. Um, I think the modern-day equivalent would be like Ebola, where Ebola is... Mm, okay. It, it's been, while it's been found in other places, it, it is strongly localized to the African continent, so... So if you think if if you go back to that joke, um, Granger couldn't he couldn't get the grease paint off, so he went to the all night chemist, the all night pharmacy, and um, they immediately called for an ambulance right. because it's a they think it's a black guy, so obviously he must have loss of fever. Like that is pretty shitty too. That's you know, like, really really shitty, right? Yeah. yeah. He dresses up in, he gets in his uh, Santa costume quickly so that Mr. Young Mr. Grace can judge and pick um, which of the uh, people will get the $50 and get the right to play Father Christmas. Um, we, we also get another joke about Mr. Granger and Blackface that last night he uh, actually started off going to the wrong party hall rather than going to the old folks' home. And he ended up performing two songs for the National Front, 
which was a yeah. political party that um, was very, very ultra right right wing, basically promoting white supremacy. It's still um, around, though, isn't it? It's still around. You know, I don't think they have any active votes in parliament, but they campaign every year. Mm. Uh, and the NF is known as you know being uh, shorthand for racism. And I think they were really involved in like the let's get out of the EU, blah blah blah, Absolutely. Brexit vote. Yeah. yeah, that whole thing, you know, like uh, gives me the creeps. Um, yeah. So. So this entire scene made it past the BritBox censors, but not the joke about the slimming biscuits. No idea what. Yeah, it's weird. And, you know, I, I suppose if they cut the blackface scene out, like, there's the, the, the scene at the very... we wouldn't get the payoff at the very end. I yeah, but, you know, it's not even a real episode in a season, you know? I mean... I don't know. It's it's that's 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 the trouble back you know back forty five fifty years ago. Can you slice something out? Well, like the Jewish joke the other day, the other week, you could slice that three seconds of speech and it wouldn't affect anything. But now, like the whole premise of the episode is around blackface, which is like, what do you do with it? And that's the trouble we're in right now. So here's yeah, I mean, here's another example. So the Golden Girls. Um, the Golden Girls, it's it currently, it's available on Hulu and I think some other streaming um, OTT services. And so they have an episode um, early on in their, in their, in their uh, um, run, I think it was from season two, so that would have been 1986 about, where Dorothy's son is engaged to a 44-year-old black woman. Oh, that's right. And Dorothy is against the marriage because she's older, and Lorraine is the fiance's name. Her family is against it because Michael is white. And so the the future mother-in-law and her sisters come over to try to talk some sense into the kids about not getting married. And Rose and Blanche are in the kitchen doing a beauty treatment, and they're wearing a mud mask. And so they come in, and then so there's this joke where they're, you know, in theoretical blackface around black people. And that episode has been cut because, you know, the, the, a lot of the talk in the mainstream was around because they're doing blackface in it. Well, they're not doing blackface because they're not attempting to impersonate black people. They just happen to have something dark colored on their face. There are a lot of other racial jokes in that entire episode that uh, probably the good people at Hula were like, yeah, let's just let this one sit for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, at, at one point, Sophia comes in and says, what is this, a reunion of Raisin and the Sun? Which is um, a very famous play that has yeah. uh, an all-African-American cast uh, of characters and is usually cast with um, all black people as well. Yeah. Um, so... You know, I think at the time, it just recently got pulled um, this summer. And I think a lot of diehard fans of the show are like, why don't they just like have a censor? Or why don't they have a director's cut explaining for context? Why do they have to pull it? Well, you know, sometimes the easiest thing to do is just to um, take things down for a while. Let it cool down. Maybe, you know, give the time, uh, people at Hulu time to think about the best way to either slice it or edit it. Or give commentary for context, right? Yeah, and it's not like people will die if no. that episode is never seen again. How many episodes of the Golden Girls are there? There are, what, 74 episodes have already been served? If one of them, you know, this isn't even the one that this has the, the most this, blackface in it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, to, not, to, not to give them any credit or to apologize at all, but, however... <laughs> um, Back in the 1976, remember the the age of the audience, say like 40s or so, 30s and 40s, they would have remembered like, you know, so when they were like 20s or so, they were probably 20s, 20th, I can't say it, they were probably 20-ish in age around like, you know, the late 50s, wouldn't you say? So you would see stuff like that a lot. And I think, especially with Mr. Granger's character and like old Mr., young Mr. Grace and they would tend to do like vaudevillian kind of things and references to yep. like stuff from the 40s and the 30s, you know, really old, like the war, blah, blah, blah. Um, Al Jolson was, you know, he, well, he was the first actor to perform 
in uh, a movie that had sound, like, you know, I mean, he's really important back then, but he did a lot of blackface, and that's what you would see back then. And we've, I think we've spoken about blackface and what that means on the show, um, and how really problematic it is and racist. I'm glad we're taking the time to talk about it, and it's something we're going to have to do again, and we keep keep coming up with these racist jokes and stuff that, you know, a lot of, I will say we're getting a lot of positive feedback from our listeners, the unanimous, uh, that they appreciate um, how we dive into it, so. So, anyway, um, young Mr. Grace finally comes out of the lift with his nurse. Now, it's, this nurse doesn't speak at all, and it's not the one that we're used to seeing, uh, who will eventually be played by Vivian Johnson. So he goes down the line and starts critiquing everyone. Well, Rumbold and Peacock, you're out because you're both too shifty-eyed. Lucas, <laughs> I'm not going to pay him because he's only half size. Um, he recognizes Mrs. Slocum's voice, even though she tries to disguise it. Mm-hmm. And he likes what Humphreys is wearing because he saw it in Mary Stripmas. So it was pretty funny, right? Um, meanwhile, <laughs> his secretary comes running in, uh, dragging with her a a young um, a, a young kid. Um, I thought this kid was probably too old to actually still believe in Father Christmas, but whatever, suspend disbelief for the purposes of the show. And they yeah. figure, like, rather than young Mr. Grace trying to choose, why don't let our child, who is going to be the target audience, choose the Father Christmas, which makes sense. Well, the kid that the secretary found is black, and he is drawn to Mr. Granger dressed up as Father Christmas because he's in blackface. So this is the whole purpose of the whole blackface is that we get this payoff with there can be a black Santa Claus too. And it's really cute, and the kid's cute, and it's like, oh, how sweet. Like, it's kind of a cute little joke. It, it is that, you know, he saw this, this kid is probably seeing, he's seeing representation for the first time. He's probably yeah, seeing totally. a Father Christmas that looks like him when all he had to do in the, the whole time is go to the Netherlands. Um, in the in Netherlands, their Santa, their Santa Claus, uh, since Peter, is black. And in, like, modern Christmas traditions, it's very common for people playing Santa Claus to get up in blackface to portray their Santa Claus, which is... Super problematic looking at it at a non-Dutch lens. Um, and even though Dutch people are a Caucasian culture that have um, also um, partaken in um, colonialism and, yeah. and all of that, um, I don't know enough about the history of it to comment on why. Well, I know that they also have the involvement of slaves with that whole... It's like Santa Claus, Sinterklaas, or whatever. Oh, it, like the little helpers, the elves are slaves that Santa Claus owns. <laughs> it's oh. like this holy fuck. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, um, the world is a vast and complex place. But um, so the so actor, the actor who played the little boy, was played by Donald Wow, who later on had a minor part in Shock Treatment, which was the sequel to Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh. So in case you recognize him, that's where you know him from. Well, there you go. And that, friends, is the end of the episode and the end of 1976 and the end of Series 4. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Goodbye, 76. Um, so what are we doing next week? So we have another episode. Yes, as always, we trot on, we continue on, and next week we start Season 5, which I think this is a fan favorite. Uh, this is Mrs. Slocum Expects, where Aww. Tiddles the Cat is pregnant. Yay! It is a, <laughs> such a good episode. Yeah, this is a sweet one. Um, yeah, I can't wait for it. This episode, I will say, it felt repetitive. Like, there's blackface. There's a cute black little kid. Oh, and by the way, I wanted to say, like, I think this is the first kid on the show. Oh, is right? it? Right? Because I can't think of any other children. There's are there any after this? That's a that's I, a thing. I feel like there are. I feel like there's maybe one or two others. But yeah, uh, I don't yeah, think yeah, we've yeah. ever had any other kids. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. There we go. So there we go. Good episode, though. Yep, yeah, de- decent well, episode. Racist blackface, notwithstanding. Yeah. So. Um, 
super fans, if you have any questions for us or you want to get in touch with us or you want to ask us to discuss a certain topic in the I Am Unanimous in this segment or... Or the, the Are You Being Served clue drawing. We'd love to have your, your submissions. We had another one posted just today of Mrs. Slocum. Thank you, super fan Je- uh, Julia. Fabulous. You can always get in touch with us on Facebook or on Twitter or you can write us an old-fashioned email at that does suit madam with an E at gmail.com. Or you can call us on the hotline at 662-PEACOCK. That's 662-732-2625. So, thank you, Gladys. <laughs> thank you, Esmeralda. Thank you, superfans. That didn't really do well. We'll, we'll get better with that. We'll, it'll get better. It'll, it'll get better. And remember, everyone, you've, you've all done, done very well. Bye. See you next Bye, time. Everyone. That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. No little boys were harmed during the production of this product.